This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Richard, live from Origins. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of ringing in the new year with a great new set of political ramifications and, and promises that are going to be not kept one second. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> this week, Following up on an idea by John Ryer, we are going to be talking about politics and how it affects your iDebt fringeworthy campaign. Actually, in your game in general, I mean, you can still have politics in, say, Bureau 13 as well. You'll have to elucidate on that, John. So uh, since this is your idea, um, I'm going to let you go with it. So what you got? Yeah, with the Savage Worlds version, I'm going to be dropping the Chileans and the ASA, mainly because... They are more of a creatures of the 80s, and there's really no chance of them existing in the 90s or, in, or even the 2000s. Um, but I said, we'd still need that. Oh, yes. Then they don't, there's not a chance for them to exist, Richard. I'm sorry. Chile, if, if you discovered they have portal down in, in, in Isla de Pascua or Easter Island for the rest of you folks, they would turn around and sell to the highest bidder. Because they're no longer, because Pinochet is long dead and his politics are long dead with him. And Africa basically is too, is too diverse to ever form something like the ASA. And with Libya gone, there's no one, there's no one in charge of it. So really you would need something else to deal with. And how can I say this? I'm looking around and saying, you know, the UN is perfect for just having all sorts of political problems. I mean, look at it, look at it today. I mean, you know, right now we have uh, Russia, you know, grandstanding in Ukraine and everyone else having problems that could easily lead to situations in, to the fringeworthy. Uh, you know, being ordered to say not to associate with those others or being ordered back. You know, Russia pulls their, their Russian fringeworthy. That sounds very 1960s, 70s Russian thing. Yeah, doesn't it? Is that really the way it, it, it would be today in the 21st century? It depends on how Russia, how someone like Putin would push it. I mean, right now he is basically doing 1960s, 1970s Russian politics, the good old days of Yugoslavia and, and the like. He does realize he's in a global stage these days and he really can't get away with it like he used to, but he's still trying. And he also had problems with China. China would turn. China would love to dictate how things go because they they're going to say what one, we have the most fringeworthy. Which India would probably say not quite, but at least China has the ability to get get at the most fringeworthy. Let's talk about what's the benefit to the country to take control of 
of IDENT? What is, how, how does each power block that you're referring to, how do they benefit and what, what is it about their country that make them want to go that route? It really depends on how UNITA, United Nations Interdimensional Authority, is formed. If it's formed as a basically a, a organization under the Security Council, it basically becomes a more or less a, a variation of a peacekeeper operation, at least for the fringeworthy. They really don't belong to UNITA. They belong to the countries, and their countries can tell them what to do. So that point, you know, yes, whoever, despite there may be a person in charge of both the, of UNITA and also of exploration, but they still are be a bit beholden to their to the countries that these fringe really belong to. So it's yes, you know, the United States doesn't like what's going on. They pull their fringe worthy, and they pull any technology they have, you know, or they de- they demand a larger share or, or first or first first access. First, the United States may demand first access to any new technology that's discovered. You know, and, and and besides, it's not just necessarily fr- you know fringe politics on the Earth. There's also fringe rate politics on the fringe. The Victorians will turn around and say, despite you having Captain Oates venturing out to the platforms back in the in the uh, early stages of the 21st century, we have been operational for six months before you were. Welcome to the Victorians Transethical Service. Does anybody care about that, really? Uh, the Victorians would. Six months, that would make a difference. They're planting their flag on the fringe pass. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, basically, until they encountered us, they thought they had free reign. Until they ran into us, they thought they could just go out there and exploit everything that, you know, for, her, for Her Majesty's Empire. So now here we are, and we're interfering with their access. Okay, <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, Teos... That's all they have is six months with yeah. with experience. I debt out text them, out guns them. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the medical terminology here. If if the Victorians want to get into a bigger phallus contest, I hate to say it, I debt's probably gonna beat them. It just, they do with the guns and technology of the scientific knowledge. Still, th- th- there's going to be some resentment, you know, especially if they, you get told, well, we want you to join the Alien Corps. No Victorian would ever join the Alien Corps. They would look at you going, and you want me to, to put on blackface and sing a song for you as well? <laughs> they would never do it. They would never join the Alien Corps because of them, they'd be beneath them. They're not. You know, they're not here at the beck and call of, uh, of UNITA, of the United Nations. They're their own people. And you got to take that certain, there's a certain amount of pride in, with, amongst, uh, amongst them. You know, and, 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 and Trav, as long as you're on the platforms, the main advantage we have is better, is, is better machining for our weapons. Other than that, we're at the same level on the, pla- on, on the, on the pathways. Same level technology. They may actually have a little bit better with their steam tech than we do with our vehicles. You want to start a diesel engine on the platforms? Well, John, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. They've got steam, which means they can go very short distances. Uh, We can go extremely long distances. Dude, petrol is so much more efficient than steam. I mean, exponentially more efficient. But they can refill any place they could. They could cut down a tree, and get water. 
Well, we have to go someplace civilized to get to get refueled. But the problem is that most of the primes are Lake Earth. It's we can find it all over the place. It's it's abundant. No, not every one of them. Most of them are though. So in in most worlds we can find we can find diesel and we can travel very very long distances with diesel. In 1898, there are oil based uh, systems. You know, there are steam steam boilers that run off of oil. And they're also building some of the first steam turbines, which are actually more efficient, at, you know, with, with steam use than pistons are. If they start developing those, then they really get better. Yeah, we're, we're talking about technology, but you know, if it comes down to it, from their point of view, they were there first. It doesn't matter if it's six months; it could have been six days. They were there first. Yeah, but you know what? You know, <laughs> yeah, and that way leads to war that they'll lose. You sure about that? Yeah, actually I am. Quite sure. Are you kidding me? We blow them out of the water with weaponry. We have C4. We have I mean come on. Remember this is this is the world where you have Professor Challenger. You know, you, know, you got various people who are legend in our world even though they're entirely fictional. You have against Alan or Alan Quartermain? He he'd take down a bunch of he take he would cut those guys down without even thinking about it. Okay, so get him off the get him off the node where magic doesn't work, and he's done. But I think I think what it really boils down to is that the uh, the Victorians are John's pet project. <laughs> he loves the Victorians. I know I can actually say the same thing about the Khan, and say the thing about the about the Imperator on 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 Pax Romana. There, you know, I'm sorry, Richard. When you when you had the, the Mongolians be nice little guys helping us out, no, the the Khan would turn around and say, "Ooh, a new place to conquer." I'd be more worried about the Khan than I would the Victorians. Yeah, I would be too because he he has a warp. He doesn't have a ring. All he has to do is say, "Do you see that thing over there? Good, you're fringeworthy. Stand over there." <laughs> he can find fringeworthy faster. Than we can with a with a, with a, with a crystal key, and he won't restrict himself the way the Victorians do. Yes, <sighs> and he he'll pick up any weapon. Nothing's beneath him. That's correct, <laughs> or above him. He yeah right. No no. I I would be much more afraid of the gold of the golden horde, which is why you want to get on the good side. This is where this the politics comes comes in place, both on the, off the French and on the French. You gotta make friends with these people, which means you have to deal with them, deal with their politics, deal with the fact that the Khan views the fringe as the next area to conquer. Well, also with with this, basically everybody has to sit there and eat a little crow. Everybody is going to have an egocentric view of their world. Our world is best. You're all the alternates and the and the the lesser people. Yeah, you're all the fake people. Yeah, everybody is going to have to sit down and realize, okay, we each bring something different to the mix. The Earth Primers, they've got this high tech. They have automatic weapons. They've got all these vehicles. They have coordination. The Victorians, they have... Re- the, the British is the most regimented army on the planet. And I'm sure that during... Even with the Victorians, they would... You know, Taos would do the same thing. The Golden Horde, flat out best fighters and survivalists ever. And of course, well, the Romans, they're the Romans. One of the mightiest armies ever to have existed. All of them together, 
could really do damage and once they get past their own egos. Yeah, and remember, these are Romans who have firearms. And I believe a little bit of steam tech, which means they could go on par with the Victorians. No, military speaking, they'd be on par. They'd be, I would say, a step down from the Mongols. So their portal, they have a full ring station. So that means they got the only way they can find it without a crystal key is to march them through and see who see what drops out. So that takes time. So you know, so the Mongols have it best of everybody. They just simply say, "Can you see that thing over there? You do good." And you got your fringe worthy. You don't have to walk them through just to confirm at the end of the of the search, you know. So yeah, I can see the see the the Khan getting a larger army together, and when and whoever he sends to Earth Prime to learn the learn the new tactics and new te- new technology, will be ahead of that army. So now you got to deal with the Khan. So you got to figure, okay, what? So do we send tribute to the Khan to keep him from attacking us? With tribute. You could send him something. I mean, yeah. What? Aluminum pots. Aluminum pots. They're they're priceless. Something that we would consider, you know, just fit. We could send them all that little stuff. It would still enhance their life incredibly. They still would yeah. get a kick out of it. But we'd get don't... them on our side, and we wouldn't mm-hmm. lose anything. Yeah, but don't forget, he he sent people to Earth Prime and probably to Victorian Earth, and so he knows what you consider, eh, and what's good stuff. We we call foreign aid, he calls tribute. Yep. It's not really that bad. I mean, you start sending over there water purifiers and and concrete and and stuff like that. That's not bad stuff. Medical supplies. Yeah, none of that's bad stuff. Stuff that they wouldn't have. Yep. Yeah, if he finds any of his French with your healers, well, well, okay. At that point, he'll he'll demand you train them to be doctors. So that little education that'd be fine, you know. You teach them their French with how to be doctors, and then they'll treat teach more of their folks to be doctors. So that's actually a good thing at that point. But uh, but even by, on Earth, you'll have problems, you know. You say Putin gets replaced with someone even more radical than he is even more old status than he is. And he starts demanding Russia gets first access to all new technology. Or Russia has, you know, Russia wants to have uh, private access to the port, to the to Hatsumi one year, you know, one month out of the year so they can just send their own people through and, and take what they want. I mean, what do you do with that? What do you do at that point? You know, say you're running a, 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 a team like I did, which was, which was international. Say you have a person, you know, Chinese or Russian or whoever, and after during one of the breaks, he gets pulled aside and gets told, we need you to bring back uh, technology or new finds, but don't let the others know you're doing this. And now your character's got to consider, okay, do I, you know, do I stay loyal to my country and actually do this? Do I sort of fake it and take some tech and give it to them? Or do I report it? And what happens then? I talked to my folks through my play tests, and when I mentioned the alien core, they all sort of went, no. I mean, it sounds like the it's the short bus. You have to explain that, John, because nothing about the alien core to me sounds like the short bus. Well, the thing is, having people actually play the different, uh, different groups, uh, especially having someone play Victorians, uh, Paul, he first came and said, the Victorians would never join the alien core. It'd be beneath them. 
It, it's a matter of pride. It, they're their own people. We have our own Fringeworthy. Why should we actually join your little club there called the Alien Corps and get handed and get handed morsels as you deem fit? We can go out there and get and get our own. Yeah, except for the fact, John, that the uh, British have always been smart enough to make alliances and treaties with other countries, even if they were not up to their technological level. They would certainly make alliances with the IDED and, and the Earth Prime, at least until they came to parity, until they got everything that they wanted. Well, yeah, Taos and IDET were partners anyways. One was not subservient to the other. They were partners. The other people, the, the Pax Romana and all them, they'd be mm -hmm. the ones that would probably get relegated to the quote-unquote alien core. And I'm sure that the Victorians might be going, you know, you're not a lapdog. You guys have your own merits. Or the Victorians might just, you know, because, you know, the typical Victorian British white man, white man's burden mentality, they mm -hmm. might try to get Have the a, con and all them like, well, they're not, you know, they're not white men. I, and I hate using this term. I'm not trying to sound racist, but it yeah. was the, the mentality of the day from which the Victorians are based on. Basically try to turn the Mongols into, into fringe Gurkhas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. My experience has been that whenever I run play tests, the two most favorite characters to be played are always from the uh, Victorians, Tarzan's son and his manservant. And uh, in my current game now, uh, Fringeworthy game, uh, we have a young lady from uh, uh, Colombia who would also be a member of the Alien Corps. These are nations. Some of them are nations. It'd be more about sending an embassy you know, to Victor to Earth Prime. Why would I join this alien corps when I just want to send an ambassador and we can then arrange liaisons so that our teams can work with your teams? You know, things like that. Why would where should we? You know, yeah. eventually that's the ultimate goal is to actually have everyone be part of the new Commonwealth. Right. But it's going to have some initial problems because let's be honest. We're, 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 we are a bit, you know, um, I'm trying to get the right term here, um, not parochial, we're a bit um, condescending. We are. I think you mean patronizing, John. Patronizing. We're a bit patronizing of, of other... And I don't see why that's true either. I don't run my idea that way. Apparently you do. Well, I had a lot of people there with, with, actually, with actually experience with the United Nations giving me pointers. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have to do that. I, uh, I like my IDET that uh, is actually working for the benefit of the world. That's one of the things I'm still trying to find is, in several roles is who does UNITA belong to? Does it belong to the General Assembly? Does it belong to the Security Council? Or is it an independent organization? Well, you can shoot down an independent organization because it's too, it's too important to actually let it operate by itself. So the next question is, who's really in charge? The Security Council or the General Assembly? And considering uh, how things would work and, 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 and such, uh, it would be the Security Council. So the so Security Council is, is the one who's really in charge of, of, uh, of UNITA. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, and the Security Council, let, let's break down what that is exactly and who comprises it. Because they're, I mean, obviously all of us are not as well-versed in the, the makeup of the United Nations. There are five 
permanent members of the Security Council. I believe it is U.S., Britain, France, Russia, and China. Yes, the major members of NATO and China and Russia. Five permanent, and then there's like, I think, a couple other ones that switch out every so often. Yeah, all the, all the other people that have nukes. Uh, no, not not necessarily. No, uh, Argentina has been was one that is the current one when the Swift whipouts. And they don't have nukes. Nope. And then the rest are cur- currently the the two the two rotating members are Argentina and Chad. Why would IDET uh, or uh, the IDA? Why would it be under the Security Council? Uh, it's too important. That doesn't. That's not an answer, John. It, well, that's one one of the reasons. Also, because it's going to deal directly with threats you know potential alien threats out there and it, it and if and the security council is the one that controls peacekeepers therefore they're looking both they're looking at uh, at ida as being a well a, uh, a a variation of the peacekeepers but they're not peacekeepers john they're not that's not their function their function is not to go and hold security it's, I mean, if, if they had fringe security, yeah, I could see fringe security would be like peacekeepers, but your IDET teams are explorers, That's and they're more related to diplomacy than they are to um, any militaristic action. Yeah, John, I would see them as a general assembly because you're getting, you're going to be looking in every nation for IDET trainees. I would see it as a general assembly thing where all the nations have a say because you know these little nations with IDET, you know, with fringeworthiness popping up, they're going to sit there and let it be relegated by, you know, these seven big nations or whatever. The rest of the world would be like, oh, hell to the no. I would see it as General Assembly. Then you get, the, the, the as Paul pointed out, it's General Assembly, then you get to see political appointees for every position that isn't fringeworthy, which means they change every year. You get a new person, and, and this is in every role. No one will actually. Borden would be out, out after a year. Everyone else would be out after a year. Bang, they're gone because they need a new political appointee in that position, and it gets voted out by the General Assembly. At least with the Security Council, for games for game terms, you get to have consistency of of who's in charge. It doesn't change at the whims of the General Assembly. It changes based on who who basically who's making the politics in the in Security Council. Why is that a good thing? With Russia being a permanent member, that's the only way. That's the only security Boridan has as keeping his job. That's right, unless he becomes fringeworthy from handling all the crystal keys. Why does it matter that there has to be a continue a continuity of who's in charge? I'm trying to make life easier for the GM instead of coming up every year. You, you know, coming up with some guy from Chad who's now in charge of IDA. You think you think the General Assembly is going to vote in some guy from Chad to be in charge of IDEA? Whoever's in charge of I, of IDA would be a political appointee. I mean, why would you vote some guy from Chad? I mean, unless of course he's a great humanitarian or something. I mean, yes, it's a political, but it's also going to be a popularity thing. I, I can't see anybody who isn't uh, noteworthy in the bigger scheme of the politics of the world being made the guy who's in charge. So it seems like it's a short list. It's not going to be somebody replaced every other time he turns around. I mean, prove me wrong, John. I'm, I'm willing to listen. Yeah, because I, I actually was looking through all the uh, General Assembly-controlled organizations, and yeah, there's a new person just about every one, or, if not one, every two years. One or two years, there's a new person in charge. Okay. And 
uh, you know, and they, they get rotated out on a regular basis. And, and why is that a bad thing? Other than the fact that it's a little bit troublesome in the game. Um, no, it's not a bad. Well, well, according to Paul, which I wish he was here because he'd be, be, be he would be better arguing this than I would. Uh, trouble is, you more you don't get the good guy in charge because they pretty much turn these jobs down. You get the guy who who wants the job, or the guy who happens to know somebody who knows somebody who gets himself run through the point uh, to the nomination process, who you'd never want in that job. Well, they say a true leader doesn't want to lead. The people who want to lead are the ones you don't want in the position. All right, but but, but let's talk about real politics here, John. Okay, you know, the guy who's in charge, we've all had bad job. Uh, I'm sorry, we've all had bad bosses, all right? Still the work gets done, right? It's the rank and file people who basically get the job done, and the bosses sometimes screw it up. But most of the time, we, they find ways of working around and getting it done. So I don't see it. In any other organization other than from the UN, the UN, every position is a political appointee is position. But, but they don't do. Well, I don't. I, I don't agree with that at all, John. I mean, there's. Every, I, I can't imagine that being true. I mean, everybody's going to have, you know, all kinds of staff and such. Yeah, well, okay, they got their staff. Yeah, okay, so, but the thing is, say, you know, they get some, they, they pick a Frenchman to be the, to be in charge of IDA. He decides to start hiring everyone from France. He doesn't care who they are, really. As long as, you know, he, all his cronies get, get put into various offices and positions. You know, he basically revamps the entire structure so it's all run by Frenchmen. And I noticed that looking through the, 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 the trees, every time, every time it changes, yeah, heads roll and new, and new people get hired. You know, it's basically yes. It's our time to sit the trough and 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 uh, and and eat the swill. You know, it's it's one it's it's one of those problems. But is but but is that a correct representation of what would be the way it would be in an organization like IDET or IDA, where they are doing something? They are actually out there exploring, bringing in technology, doing stuff like that. I mean, would so, it be able? Would it be able to function under what you're saying? I'm basically saying, John, it sounds like you're creating a straw man here, okay? I mean, what organizations do the UN engage in, okay, that, I mean, that are obviously uh, uh, basically big pieces of pork that actually don't do anything when they're actually supposed to be doing something? Let me look that up. Uh, actually, that's a good, that's a good point. What? I understand how the UN is about one nation talking to another nation, keeping the lives, communication open, politics, discussing things. I understand that, but we're not. But, but the other things that they do, which would be like IDET, are, are they still run the same way? I mean, it's, as you say, with that kind of a patronage system. Well, things like the IDA. Because remember, IDET's under IDA, so IDA is, is yeah, IDA. Is that it would be, be better off if it actually like WHO or UNESCO. Those are affiliate organizations. They actually they get some fun, they get fun, some of their funding from the UN, but they're independent of the UN. So they actually can they can actually decide who's in charge and all that good stuff. They actually can control themselves. They, they do like a, like a board of directors to. to uh, Decide major things and who gets who gets to be in the main position. But other than that, uh, they are fairly independent and they can operate that way. In the way Richard says, the game's been operating for the past thirty years. 
Yeah, but you know, but the likelihood of I, of of IDA being allowed to oper- operate independently of UN control is very small, because of the fact that it is it can produce potential riches and treasures for the for the world, and whoever controls it gets gets first gets first take. For sake of being able to play the damn game, <laughs> why don't we just say that this is the most this is the this is a special circumstance, probably the most special circumstance mankind has ever encountered. It isn't just life. It just it is it isn't just you know alien life. It, it's a whole nother dimension. It's a whole nother science. A whole nother everything. We aren't who we thought we were, kind of thing. I think that would warrant a change in policy, if need be, to make it work. So I mean, it's you just say, well, they changed their policy for for this. You know, for this branch of the of, of of the UN, and now it works. Isn't there isn't there enough isn't there enough enlightened self interest to make this thing operate? Right. Properly? I mean, it's one of those it's one of those hand waving things we always talk about. You know, you go, it works, done. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it, the only way it can really work is, as you said, is if the the Security Council decides, okay, we really need to be able then to be operate and operate, you know, co- you know, coherently. And to do so, they need to be actually able to be in charge of themselves. John, you remember Jay's homebrew Fringeworthy campaign? He was solo running, and I believe his friend Dennis. And what was the downfall? Views on politics and how each of them saw how world politics works. But that was actually not in character. That was in person. Yeah, well, still, it, 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 it's a matter of how the politics work that's something that's going to have to be agreed upon in the campaign if you're going to be doing a heavily political campaign with events yeah. like Russia coming in and saying we don't want this because you want to mimic world events yeah actually i would, i also suggest if you're going to, if you if you do want to mimic world events uh, i suggest every so often sitting down and playing a game of microscope this is a wonderful role playing game where you actually don't play people you play events and things and you could actually, as a group, game out the next six months this way. And, and actually, now, now you know what the politics back on Earth Prime are like. You can actually even game out what the politics on the fringes are like. So you can actually have an idea. So at least the GM now has an idea, and so the players, of where things are headed. So you can actually uh, plan ac- appropriately. And that may actually help you just you know get away from the fact that this GM fiat. No, no. You could decide that Russia gets to be a bad boy and do bad things, not the GM. You know, so that's one way of getting, working around it. So, microscope. All right. Well, in order to be true to your topic, John, there are going to be political things that are going to be happening to IDED, but not so much that unless you want to run that kind of campaign, and I don't think anybody does, you know, IDED still has to be able to function. Okay, so I mean, they they might get pressure from other countries and things like that. They still have to function. So you have to, uh, since you're writing the next edition, if you want, uh, you need to basically spell out what is it going to take in order for IDET to operate in that way. So that you know, whether it's a new charter, whether it's they're under the Security Council, but the Security Council has has limitations on what they could do with IDET, you know, as as mandated by the General Assembly. I mean, basically, you guys need to put it together for us so we can understand how you can then start applying political pressure that doesn't, you know, that that affects yet doesn't overwhelm 
uh, the policies and the operation of, I, of the IDA. Yeah, I've been looking at how uh, organizations like WHO, World Health Organization, and UNESCO operate in this in this fashion. They do have, I mean, there is some oversight by either the Security Council or the General Assembly or, uh, or the Economic Council. They all have some oversight over these operations, uh, but they don't control the operations, which is which is which is the important thing, you know. So the World Health Organization can can declare a a, a problem and make and get people you know working on solving it, without waiting for the General Assembly to vote on it. So that's that's an important thing right there. Uh, but the, if the General Assembly decides that they need to change the focus of who, they, they may listen to them a bit and, and work within that. So it, it's it's a matter of me studying how the UN works and then trying to simplify it so someone can actually game it at this point. And that's been a, it's been education. This is why I brought this topic. I've been looking into this stuff, and it's been like a major topic. I mean, uh, in my head, trying to figure out how things are set up in, in and how things are organized. And I do think having uh, IDA as a independent, as it were, a semi-independent organization, I still like having it um, still answer to the world, to the to the Security Council, mainly because in the little fiction we wrote for the for the D twenty game, it was the Security Council that more or less formed it. So I, at that point, I doubt very much the General Assembly gets any say in how it operates. So yes, you're going to be holding to the uh, members of the Security Council. Um, uh, Don't let that limit you, John. In the next edition, if it's necessary to make it better to retcon it, then please do. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's ability to to work. Just like you're dropping stuff like the ASA, I mean, it makes sense to go and change something else if it's getting in the way of the game becoming a better game. Yeah, because I'll be honest, I've never used the ASA. Uh, it was never in the first edition, and I've never used it ever since. I mean, the only time I ever used them was in a little short fiction, and I went, yeah, that's about all you want to use them, because I can't see them being a, a threat unless they steal a crystal key from somebody. Well, I, they don't have to be a threat. Again, they're another competing organization, just like the Victorians are. Uh, I have used them in my campaign. As a matter of fact, at one point, they formed an alliance with the, with the uh, uh, fringe pirates, who, of course, claimed that they were a fringe-enabled group and, and that they were given a bad rap by, uh, by some rogue uh, uh, people who claim to be uh, representing their organization. And so the ASA said, oh, well, then you should join. We'll ally with you, and you can give us great technology that you that these, these people over here at the U.N. seem to think we shouldn't get our hands on. Yeah. I mean, when I ran, I actually ran the first context scenario with the Victorians a couple of times, and it's, and it's always come out differently every time. And the majority are, okay, well... You know, you're here. Let's go take you back and take you back home so you can meet the UN. But on one occasion, it was, oh, well, um, yes, we're from nearby. <laughs> and that's it. And basically, they said, give us uh, 30 minutes and then we'll, then you can leave. And of course, you know, they, they both leave, you know, they both wait 30, you know, the, the, uh, pri um, the IDET team waits waited 30 minutes and then they left and there was no one there and they have no idea which way the Victorians came from. They just know that they were then like two or three 
based on conversations with them. And yeah, that's a that's a totally different start than the other starts I've had, where they basically say, "Come on home, and we'll feed you beans and bacon," you know. <laughs> right. Well, it just meant that 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 discovery would happen later, and eventually it was the same thing would happen. I mean, it's nothing wrong with a with a, a fringe worthy group who comes across another group that they've never seen be guarded with each other. It doesn't mean that they can't be friends no. later. Yeah, it's just that they're going to be really guarded next time they meet each other. And, you know, of course, now they go seek each other out to figure out where they are. Because, right, in, yeah. But, uh, int- yeah. So, in, in the playtest game, one of the things that happened was that they said, okay, Victorian's been doing this for six months. We need to get in, we need to make friends with them. So, yeah, there was two fringe worthy teams were sent to Victorian Prime, Team One and Team Two. Uh, and they basically, Team 1 basically became the ambassadors, because I had to figure out, I didn't want my players to get stuck in the political rigmarole so they can actually have fun. Uh, so that's one thing I did with the politics, was I gave it to the Team 1. Team 1 is always going to be the ones involved in all the politi- political crap. Well, Team 2 or whatever team is going with them, they get to go out and have fun, you know, get shot at, blown up, chased by chased by pir- air pirates, stuff like that, you know, fun stuff. <laughs> You keep, you keep using this pejorative term toward the political stuff, John. Well, it is. It, it is. It isn't pleasant. I mean, a lot of people don't. Americans, to be honest, don't like dealing with politics. So I, I try to introduce as much politics as necessary. But I don't want to make it. I didn't want to make it. You know, the fourth one. But there still were political issues because they were coming up. Like, like, basically, at the time, you know, when uh, Mendedev, I think I got his name pronounced right, was was uh, prince, president of Russia, uh, they still were having some issues, and I was, and I actually impo- um, uh, imposed them on the player, so he had to worry about stuff like, you know, stuff like politics at home. You know, he got a visit. He got a visit from his father, which is really his father, the field marshal. Yeah. Well, John, the only reason that the, uh, politics in general is a problem is not as interesting as other things is because we don't have any kind of a uh, system for handling uh, political combat, other than going to actual combat. You know, uh, that's that's something that role playing games haven't done a whole lot of. There are a few role playing games that have some social uh, um, com- uh, combat rules or tests of will, uh, but I'm just saying that it's not something that's been part of the game because we most role playing games have concentrated on the combat, the physical combat aspect instead. So, it, you know, I'm just saying is that that's. That's why, yes, I would not want them to spend their time with that because the systems that are out there don't support it. But it doesn't mean that the, the, the thing itself is, is boring. I mean, think how many political thrillers are out there, John. I mean, people love political thrillers, and they're all about politics. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, the, when, when Team 2 went to the where, – where, where, discovered the Golden Horde and the Golden Horde discovered them, uh, yeah, they ended up spending a long time there because basically the, the portal is out in the middle of the steps 200 miles away from the uh, capital city. So it was, a, it was a nice little trip to go to the capital city uh, and to then visit with the Khan. And you know, and, and that was a lot of the, a lot of political dinners and dealing with the questions about things and trying to decide what we're going to tell them and what we're not going to tell them. And they had to make a lot of decisions about what they were going to tell the Khan about what was life back on Earth Prime. Well, sounds very fun to me. Yeah, that actually was. I, I'm looking. I'm what I was looking at was like more of the 
sausage sausage making politics. I want to avoid 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 uh, in the game. I want the more cinematic politics. A writer, yes, putting you know putting a writer on a bill and stuff like that. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And doing and the negotiations and the negotiations with the Victorians would have been basically going back and forth about what they're going to give, what they're not going to give, what you know. Yeah, and and, and John, that's again where you use a system where you say who has advantage, who has disadvantage, and then the person who has uh, has advantage gets to dictate the results of the negotiation. Yeah, I I, I, I mean I, I have a game right now with Hardware Hinterland where they're kind of going blow by blow through a lot of stuff, and I stopped recording my actual play because I was like, man, who wants to listen to this? I mean, it's important to the players, but it's not important to a listener. So yeah, but it's uh, but it's whatever the players want to do. And but back to politics. Uh, other than the fact of the Victorians basically wanting to be in control of everything, is there anything that they would want to enforce? on uh, Earth Prime if they could get away with it. What's their agenda? Oh, I wish Paul was here for this one. because, I, I, Well, Trav, we're, we're both uh, steampunkers, so we have some Victorian ideas. What would, what would Her Majesty's uh, government want to impose on this, th- these radicals over here in Earth Prime? Any idea? or? Well, I would see that they would definitely want... It's like, okay... These guys obviously have these automatic weapons, these vehicles that run on diesel. They have these things that, yeah, they can't run on the, on the fringe paths, but they have these briefcase-sized Babbage machines. We need to get on par with them. Yeah, we've got experience out here, but they have this tech. They have these weapons. Mm-hmm. We want to be their friends. So they're going to sit there and try to and, and, you know, the British, with their diplomacy and everything, they're going to do their damnedest to try to get, uh, what was the term that Bruce used? Parity with, with Unita. Mm-hmm. Because they want yeah. to be partners. They don't want to be subservient because they're, excuse me, what, a century? Oh, excuse me, a century behind in, in technology? They're going yeah. to they're gonna, they're gonna want in on, you know, this whole guns and computers and, and internal combustion diesel engine thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that happened in the game was we actually had uh, uh, the, the the Victorians came to Earth and they actually visited London, England and talked to Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth and, you know, brought back presents, including, you know, pitch, you know pictures, family pictures, you know, things like that. But they also brought back a request for uh, for embassy, more or less. They basically wanted the, the two Englands wanted to link up. Now that's something you, you know you don't see more in, in most games. And then of course uh, the Victorians decided that we're not you know we're, we we are an independent nation, independent uh, empire. So we're going to send an ambassador to be to be there. And they ended up saying the embassy is in Alice Springs because. That's the closest thing, closest to, to being Hatsumi's so they can get packages back. So diplomatic pouches can be sent back and forth. And they're saying for a regular service so that they can get, you know, once a week a package is sent back, at least during the the uh, operating season. During, and But during the wintertime, one of the things they were able to, able to negotiate was during the wintertime, the Victorians will supply fresh food to Hatsumi base. So that they actually can get you know fresh vegetables and food and and you know 
bacon. Yeah, not the not the canned stuff. All the you know freshly butchered, but maybe not 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 more than a few hours ago, <laughs> delivered fresh to the, to to the to the dome, and they can take it upstairs and take it to the base. And you know that's oh wow, you know that's <laughs> that's special. Those guys down there, <laughs> because because you're gonna have a troop. You're gonna have a, a, a not, if not a division, at least a company stationed in the dome just to make sure nothing bad comes out during the winter time. And having fresh supplies is going to be a godsend to those guys, <laughs> and a godsend to 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 have some base you know, to stock up and 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 have all that crap on hand, you know, if you're getting fresh supplies from Victoria, Victorians, yeah. Oh, and of course the the biggest request is, we are British subjects, we are Her Majesty's subjects. So could you call us British? We're not Victorians. <laughs> Would you rather call us call you Obamans? <laughs> <laughs> or butchers butchers goddies you know <laughs> oh god um yeah yeah so yeah, yeah we call them victorians but they don't call themselves victorians well right yeah and, and i understand <laughs> that that's going back to that whole egocentric thing because mm-hmm. we're gonna see our earth as the prime and everybody else and as yeah. the alternate just every single earth is gonna see themselves that way Matter of fact, I'm surprised that it's going to take years of um, of what's the term I'm looking for? Years of deliberation for them to say, "Why does your Earth get to be prime?" Well, actually, they had their own they had their own mapping system, and guess what? Guess where zero prior to place is? This is Bruce Sheffer saying. There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons license. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.